ninja. The I'm gonna ninja. turn up my level just a little bit against the ninja. The ninja. Uh, okay. So, welcome back to the Wages of Cinema, uh, where we talk about movies that we have not seen, which is what the list is all about. I give Jack a list of movies he hasn't seen. He gives me a list of li- movies I haven't seen. We watch them, and then we talk about them one after another. Exactly. If we talked about them at the same time, it would be incomprehensible. Yes, we would sound like Robert Altman, only not as clever. Right. Um, so, Jack, you first. go first, and I want you to talk about a movie which is a personal favorite of mine. Oh, okay. And mm. <laughs> I can I can hear the desperation in your voice already. No, I don't want to. I don't want to make you mad. I'm gonna try to be as nice. I as was I can really curious about this, about, this uh, about what your reaction would be. Because okay. Now, this movie that we're gonna talk about is called Knights of the Round Table. Right. This is a 1954 Cinemascope movie. Right. Uh, with starring Robert Taylor as Lancelot of the Lake, Ava Gardner as Guinevere. And Mel Ferrer as Mr. King Arthur Pendragon as himself. Not as yes. himself. You know what I mean. So what's the movie about, Jack? Um, well, we're following uh, the story of uh, first how King Arthur became king. Right. Uh, how he... Uh, well, at the, at the start of the movie, it's interesting because he doesn't pull the sword out of the stone right away. He has to kind of prove that... You know, he has to really show that he's a king. He's king-worthy, I guess right. you could say. Um and so, and also there, I think there's somebody else. Um, I wrote down his name. I Mordred. believe is Mordred. Thank you. Um, he's he's basically an asshole through this whole movie. He's somebody who's like he's not the king. I I challenge him. He tries to pull the sword out, and he's like, "This isn't the real sword." Nope. Yeah. Nope. He, he has. He he's <laughs> like he's basically the guy on the sidelines who is like, "No, no, I want it. I want to be king." Right. And his mother Morgan Le Fay is helping him, and they're they're, they're oh okay. Is that his mother? Yes. She looked a little young to be his mother in the well, movie. Well, she played his mother, but actually, she was just a few years older than he yeah, was. Yeah, I thought that was his wife. No, it really? was his mother. Yeah, I didn't get that. That's goddamn. All right. So one thing I liked. Um, so basically, you're finding out like there's a big battle that happens to kind of have. But the, what you're, the but, but what claim. you're saying is right. This is the story of King Arthur. It's the story of King Arthur and how he got his knights of the Round Table together. Uh, that included people like Lancelot of the Lake. Uh, included um, other other guys like so, I, Percival. Percival, yeah. I, here's I mean, well, aside from those three guys, I can't really remember a lot of the other knights in this movie. They they the they're movie, not really consequential, are they? The movie is about four characters. Yeah, it's most. really about four characters. You really have Arthur, Lancelot, Guinevere, and. Um, and Mordred. Right. And also, occasionally, they throw in Lancelot's wife. Yes, Elaine. And I'm going to get to her in a little bit. Okay, good. that was good. part of my problem with this movie. But So what did um, you like about this movie? Robert Taylor was a really... I really liked him as Lancelot. Yeah. I really thought he ca- brought a lot of personality to this character. I think that uh, he... You know, at the moment you see him, there's a touch of the Errol Flynn to him. Not quite up to that level. He doesn't have the same has, energy, but he still has he has, this, he has that dignity. Char- he has that dignity. He has some of that charisma. Um, I actually had a little bit of a flashback to Robin Hood in that moment when he and Arthur first meet. Yes. And they have kind of a sword fight. That's what I was going to talk about, because we talked about Robin Hood in uh, The Adventures of Robin Hood 
there was the playfulness and the yeah. boyishness about it. Yeah, there was a little bit of that to that scene. It wasn't quite up to that level, but right. I sensed that. And but I it does have, that. but it does have little moments like that. It's uh, Arthur Lancelot's fighting four guys, and Arthur helps him out. And when the fight's all over, Lancelot says, "I thank you, sir, for the help I didn't need." Yes, <laughs> and, and they get into this like really petty fight. Yeah, they get into a petty fight, and they're both like in the like in when. Robin first meets Little John. Yeah, they're kind of smiling. Yeah, you know, they're kind of not taking it totally seriously. And so they're like, "Let's fight!" And there are these moments. Arthur accidentally sticks his sword in a tree, and yeah. Lancelot helps him pull it out so they can fight yeah. again. And well, then Lancelot loses his sword, and Arthur gives it back to them. Yeah, and they just keep fighting for hours. And Elaine is there, and she falls asleep. Yeah, <laughs> they've been fighting for so long. Yeah, I think there was a line in that scene. I wrote this down, like. Four men against one head. Chivalry hide my face. Uh, oh, that was earlier. Yeah, oh, okay. that's one of my favorite lines. Yeah, there. <laughs> I would say there are a lot. Of, there are some good lines in this movie. Yeah, there are. Um, when you talk about that playfulness, um, I wish this movie for, had a little bit more of that. Yeah. I felt like it gets very serious in the second half when it becomes uh, more about this, you know, tempestuous triangle between Arthur, Guinevere, and Lancelot. Which right. was fine. I like love triangles in movies. I they don't really show that much uh, to me of Guinevere and Lancelot. What it is they makes them fall in love? It's kind of just like at one minute they're you know they're who they are, and then the next minute they're kind of together. And Morgan's like, "Ooh, look at the turtle doves." Yes, down there. Um, so I I mean, granted, you know, I think that Lancelot, you know, Robert Terrell brings a lot of personality. Ava Gardner, she's beautiful. She has personality on screen. Um, how do you? Let me ask you something. What do you think about Mel Ferrer as Arthur? Mel Ferrer is a little he's bland, two dimensional. He's bland as fuck to me in this movie. <laughs> Sorry to curse people. I know this might be a kids movie, um, but I just he barely has any personality compared to Robert Taylor. Like Mel Ferrer, he's okay. He has some stoicism that can work. Right. But, you know, Robert Taylor is just really giving a lot, even in a scene where, even in scenes like late in the film, when it's more kind of somber, when, you know, you feel the tragedy and doom of the kingdom kind of befalling them. Right. Mel Ferrer's always just like, you will... He, he's a little sleepy. <laughs> yeah, sleepy. I, this is just a side note, but on the DVD I had, he did an introduction to the movie. I told you not to watch the introduction. <laughs> Well, uh, you knew I had to watch it. Because I told you not to? <laughs> I was curious. Oh, God. God, he has... Was the... it as depressing as I told you it was? It was not... It was okay. He did sound like... You know, he's like... Yeah, when, I'm, when you're a kid, and Arthur's, you know, really uh, quite a story. It's like... <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I, I, you know what? I chalk that up to him being kind of old and... You know, whatever. They probably dragged him out of bed. Uh, That's why it's so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I like, I do like some of the fights here. I like, I like the action in the wide shots. I yeah. think that there are some really, there are some great moments like in that main battle before the, Arthur the, becomes king. Yeah. When you see the horses charging at one another. Yeah. There's a very long scene of, of lots of horses. Yeah. There are lots of horses. In this very wide shot. Very and well they hold on it for a very long time. Yeah. There's some good choreography here. It's nice after, you know, things like, you know, the battle of the five armies yes. to watch like real actors act, you know, in action like that. Yeah. Um, 
one one thing I would one criticism I would have though, like when you're watching though, when they suddenly cut to what like the people fighting closer in a battle, the people in the foreground, like if you have just two people, they're kind of fighting. If you look behind them, people are just like like they're not really every movie though. No, I think that they weren't really... The director wasn't really paying attention. Um, oh, by the way, a side note. This movie is directed by uh, a guy's name is Richard Thorpe. Right. Richard Thorpe, he's, he did a lot of movies back in the day. Like, he was basically a contract director guy. He did, like, Jailhouse Rock. Um, one thing that was interesting to me when I looked up his IMDb, he did the original version of Green Eyes. Really? <laughs> he did like uh when Green Eyes was a murder mystery in 1934. Oh, um, that's an interesting coincidence. Yeah. So, all right. Here's something. Here's what I say. Like, um, there are a lot of little things I like about this movie quite a bit. Um, you know, again, like I said, Robert Taylor really good. Um, there's some decent romantic intrigue here. I feel like certain characters get got a little underdeveloped for me. Okay. I don't know. So like, is this where you bring it back to Elaine? Yeah, Lady Elaine, you know, how about a little bit of character? Do you have any thoughts aside from, oh, he's my man? You know, I know it's not really her story, but, you know, it's really the story of Arthur and Lancelot. But, like, give her something to do. There's a scene where, like, maybe it's part of the actress, but like she's like, there's a scene where Lancelot comes to her, and like she's on like a, she's lying down, and I don't know. I just feel like there are parts of this movie that haven't aged well. Well, she dies two thirds of the way of the movie. She kind of does. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, she's just she's such a pathetic character. Yeah. I mean, that's she is. that's the way she starts out. The only reason Lancelot marries her is so he can. He kind of has to. He he has no interest in marrying her. She's very just the sort of moony girl who's just has this crush on him. Yeah. And you pity her because she's in love with Lancelot, and mm-hmm. she'll never get into her head that she'll that that he's never going to love her. Mm. Uh, and Lancelot only marries her so he can deflect suspicion away from the the fact that he's in love with the queen. Yeah, and sh- and in a way she knows that. Yeah, but uh, but she just she can't think of any other way. So she dies two thirds of the way th- through the film. That might be true. And, I just wish you know, that there was a little bit more to her character. I just felt like I didn't get much from her on screen. It might have been maybe the acting. It might have been a little bit of the writing, but. I just felt like she was kind of pushed to the wayside for. Let's talk a little bit about the writing, thing. especially the dialogue. I think because some of it does work well. I the, think there are a lot of good lines given yeah, at times. The dialogue gives it a good set, a, a very good set sense of authenticity that a lot of modern epics lack. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Exodus, Gods and Kings, Robin Hood with Russell Crowe. Yeah. Nobody ever talks like they inhabit the world they're supposed to be in. Mm. Like there was that one, there was that one sentence that you might. That one line you, you've mentioned four men against one head chivalry hide thy face there are some <laughs> other good lines like and you'll that, be melting in another place yes um or you or you promised enough gold to silence me was there ever enough gold in christendom to silence a traitor oh yeah yeah <laughs> and even though it's a little overwrought you at least feel like I those made, characters are from yeah medieval I, england i made a wish in the pool to take me away you know, for a night to take me away. Yeah, there yeah. you go. A night to take me away. Um, yeah, so that part of it works. Um, I don't know. Like there are some there there are things I like. Um, I just overall I felt like it it hasn't. It felt a little like 
don't know. It's it's hard to say. Let me. me talk about why I, little... why I put this on my list. Uh, yeah, I, again, I, I can see why you put it on your list. because. All right, I mean, why did I put it on my list? Well, for one thing, you like the Arthurian legend story. Yes. There is that. Um, you like a movie that has this kind of epic scope that isn't from the modern era that had, you know, it's a little bit like Robin Hood, you know, with, without that level of, well, I don't know what to say about it. You're, I know what you're getting at. It has a certain, it has authenticity and it has, and it's very authentic. You know, what's interesting in this movie, there's no magic. No. Merlin doesn't have any magic to him. That was something that. I, I, I will, in a way, I should credit the filmmakers. I didn't really notice that until, like, halfway through the movie. I'm like, hey, Merlin's just an advisor. Yeah. He's not really, he's there to kind of keep things on even keel for everyone. He's there to try to broker things when, like, you know, Lancelot is a little bit of a hothead. You know, that's something that's kind of interesting. Like, him and Mordred are kind of like, yeah, yeah. Mordred, <laughs> I thought, was a very one-dimensional character. But I think he's a really good villain. He in what way? Mu- because... They have a clear goal. Okay. Their goal is to is to rule England. Yeah. But they know that they can't act yet because they uh, they have to lay low in Camelot and they can't cause too much mischief mm-hmm. and they can't just throw around accusations because nobody likes them anyway. Yeah. But the, and everything they do is calculated towards getting their goal. Right. They want to expose. Guinevere and Lancelot's love affair, but they can't just come out and accuse them because that would no one would believe them. Yeah, and I then they're like, that. "Oh well," uh, but then like Merlin sa- says, "All right, let's send Lancelot away and make sure he doesn't come back." So they kill Merlin to make sure that Arthur will bring him back. Yeah, and then they set up the whole way so that they can get caught. And Mordred is very active, and he's a very successful architect of. Arthur and Lancelot. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. I, I'm fine they're, with his plotting. They're both plotting. very well written. I'm, I'm fine villains. with his plotting. I am, but like I, I think with Mordred, I wish that there was a little bit more to his villainy. Like, like for example, take Excalibur and take like Helen Mirren's character in that movie. Yeah, she's a really good villain in that. I think like she had like the kind of character I wish I had seen maybe more. In yeah, the but the like, movie. Uh. uh I mean, again, I'm not trying to make it that I, I, close a comparison, but uh, you know that's also an Arthurian movie, and I probably, frankly, I might have liked Excalibur more than this one. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, these are two different flavors. Will... Excalibur is all about visual uh, flair, and uh, while well, its plot suffers at times. Yeah. yeah, actually, on the flip side, you could say that the plot in this movie is pretty solid, but visually, it's not that striking. I mean, it's kind of like. You know, there there are some visual moments. It's not flashy, but no. But it certainly has the look of the period. It it kind of does. Like I like the location shooting. There are other times where you could tell, like, oh, this is a set. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, this. You know what's my favorite scene? What I know you like to hear favorite scenes. Lancelot is in Guinevere's room, and you know, the I think the villain or whoever wants you get out. Yeah, he busts out of his room with a torch to a guy's face. Yes, <laughs> that was, and then there's a great sword fight. Yeah, that was probably my favorite. Scene. And the sword fights are good too. Oh, yeah. let me give you like we have thirty seconds, uh, a little bit of uh, trivia. Okay. This ha- towards the end, uh, when uh, before like the last battle scene, there's a an uncredited appearance by Desmond Llewellyn, who was Q in the Bond films. Is that right? Yeah. 
Uh-huh. He was like a herald, and he had like one clear shot of him. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I should have seen that. Yeah, you should have recognized him. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of like this movie. I don't love it like you do. I respect it. I just, um, it didn't stick with me. It didn't have that like, oh my god, like Robin Hood. All right. And I'm not saying de- I should compare it to that, but yeah. All right. I guess I have time, right? Yeah. But uh, all right. Interesting. Yeah, I had a lot of notes I took down. The ni- this night and I, this night and you. For some reason, I wrote that down. <laughs> All right. So let me break out the old timer, and I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about the movie I gave you to watch because it has my favorite actor. So and okay, Mel Ferrer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> five EC pieces directed by Bob, Bob Rafelson. Ra- yes. Rafelson. Yeah, Bob Rafelson. That is correct. And starring one and only Jack Nicholson. All right, and Karen Black. Yes, Karen Black. Uh, also, uh, Susan Alsop. I don't know. There are a couple people who have sort of names here. All right. So, um, this movie... Uh, well, I'm curious. Maybe we should start talking about, like what the movie is about or what sort of your general thoughts about it all right well the movie is about a man named robert who is robert heroic yeah right and he uh he's a guy kind of drifting in and out of society he has a girl uh, he has a wife i think they're married no wife, no, girlfriend? no no he's just a girlfriend right and he uh and they live uh down they live down in the southwest yeah they're uh, they're kind of like he's very blue collar he works on oil rig Right, uh, and he finds out that his father up north has had two strokes, yeah. and he's uh, uh, probably near death, and he has to visit, uh, he has to you know, take a car trip up there, and he takes his girlfriend with him. Yeah, well, Just, he well he takes her with him because she, like, has a nervous breakdown. Well, she's convinced she, he's well, going to leave her. Well, which, yeah, yeah. But, which he kind of is going to do. Yeah. And, uh... It's about his trip there. It's about what happens when he gets there, and it's about what happens after he leaves. Yeah, it's all yeah, and also the fact that you know when you first see him in this movie, you kind of just think like, oh okay, um, you know I'm, you know I just think I'm a blue collar guy, but in reality he comes from a pretty wealthy, upstanding Northwest family, and he's a trained pianist. Yes, and he's a trained pianist. In a family of musicians. Yeah, and you get like a hint of that because like one day he's like in a traffic jam with his buddy. And he climbs on top of a moving <laughs> truck and starts playing the piano. Yes. Really good shot. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I uh, wonder how he got back because that car, that truck took a completely different exit. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, yeah, that's what they show. Like he just gets off and takes like a long walk through town. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so you're basically watching... You know, what? what is this guy, what's he going to do with his life? You know, what, is he going to stick around for his father? Is he going to stick around for his family? Is he going to stick around for his girlfriend? Yeah, his girlfriend, that's a big one. Because him and his girlfriend, it's like they're not really on the same kind of compatible wavelength. They are clearly not a no. good match. No, because she's more like a very simple... She's not a bad girl, but she's just like kind of simple. She's very like, ooh, you're my man, and well, I want you to, to take care of compared me. Compared to him, uh, she's not very educated. Yeah, there's that too. Like she's yeah, and he's, that's he, he's better say. educated than her. He comes from from privilege, uh, and uh, but I think that in a way he kind of might he he sort of gravitates to that simplicity too because he's afraid of that like, you know, rich pretentious like snobbery in a way. 
Now, here's he doesn't really know what to do with himself. I would say that this film does not have a great plot in terms of structure or hmm. or in terms of building to something. Interesting. Fantastic. This is really more of a character piece. Yeah. I guess you could say it's more a character piece. I still think there's a story with this character. There is a line where you're following this character trying to figure himself out. Yeah, but, that, I, but, he, but at the end, he doesn't figure himself out. He's still running away from things. Yeah. He's still, like, he he thinks, like, maybe I've come to some sort of place with myself. But in reality, you know, like, the only thing that he comes to recognize is I'm not going to stay with this woman. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't solve anything by going to visit his father. He has this talk with his father, who doesn't talk. Be- well, yeah, because he has a stroke. Yeah. He just kind of sits there. And, and he explains himself a little bit, and I don't think he gets any answer. Uh, any sort of insight to himself. And ba- and nothing changes, so he keeps on doing the things he's been doing, which is moving from town to town, moving from person to person. Yeah, and I think part it's all about like showing the... the It's all about the character and who he is. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Not to say that it isn't good. There are uh, not to say that it isn't a good movie. Uh, I mean, it's certainly great for Jack Nicholson. If you need somebody in a character piece to play someone re- a really complex character, yeah. I mean, he's this is kind of you know he had a one-two punch basically with Easy Rider and Five Easy Pieces. Like Easy Rider was the movie where like the ma- you know the mainstream kind of looked at him and went, huh, who's this guy who's playing like this drunk who's like amazing and. Then Five Easy Pieces made him a star. Right. That was the movie that where, oh my god, he, this guy has so much charisma, he has so much screen presence, he's like funny but brooding and serious and he's angry. Five he's Easy, a, yeah, Five Easy Pieces seems like batting practice for Jack Nicholson. Bat, what do you mean batting practice? You, you get like a really good hitter to hit some balls for a while. Hmm. And you see him knock it out of the park like twenty times, and you're like, "Oh yeah, this guy. Let's sign this guy." Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's not like it's not like he's playing a game, which is more like what Easy Rider was, I'd say. Hmm, that's an interesting way to put it. Like, yeah. well, I mean, he comes in the Easy Rider, and he's not, he's not like the main, he's not really the main character, but he kind of steals the movie for a little. That's bit. That's like his minor leagues. <laughs> I got a baseball analogy for everything. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Um. Favorite scene, the hitchhikers. I love the pit. I love the hitchhikers he picks up. Now, do and you I mean, was. Do you I, mean before the restaurant scene? Yes. Okay. He picks up these two ladies who have flipped their car over the road. Yeah. And he's like, uh, "Can I give you a ride?" And he said, oh, "I'm gonna sue." And what the lady comes up to is, "I'm gonna sue that car owner." Hands him a sewing machine. And <laughs> For the rest yeah. of it, it's this it's this lady who keeps smoking and just won't stop talking about things. Yeah, she just keeps talking about how like the world's full of crap. Yeah, all sorts of useless crap, and it's like, and her I, friend who doesn't talk as much but still has a great thing. And there's a great back and forth between the the smoking woman. I keep I don't remember what her name was. And and Karen uh, Karen Black's character. Yeah, they have an argument. Like, yeah, she she's you know. She, she, she doesn't have, you know, Karen Black's character doesn't have that level of, like... Wit. Yeah, well, she's, you know, basic materialistic person, but this other woman's... I felt like it was a great parody of, like, hippies. But, like, the kind of hippies, not they're not, like, in the dreadlocks. They're more, like, world environmental hippies. <laughs> environmental hippies. Yeah, I don't yes. know if that's a way to put it. I it think was, I know what you're getting at. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that these characters, yeah, they pop up in the movie for maybe, like, ten minutes... 
And, you know, they never come back in the movie. They're not essential to the plot. And I was so disappointed. They get to Washington and they drop them off like, no, they're part of your adventuring party now. You got to take them all away. Um, because before this, I really wasn't following the movie too, like, not that I wasn't following, not that I wasn't enjoying the movie, but the, the movie became so much more exciting when those characters hmm. came in and when they were talking about stuff. Because before then, it's just Jack Nicholson and, Ka- and Karen Black being this awful couple. And then these two come in and they become this great quartet of traveling companions. Yeah. And I was so sad when that when when that part ended. It does get... I, I did start to enjoy it when he got back to his home. Yeah, that too. I just, I just really couldn't shake how awesome those hitchhikers were. In a way, they kind of almost do what Jack Nicholson did in Easy Rider. Yeah, they almost steal the movie. <laughs> they would have stolen it if they if they had been in it longer. Yeah, and it's funny that then... You know, like the, Steal the movie from Jack Nicholson. Well, hits, well <laughs> I almost wonder if like the filmmaker... Uh, he decided to have this kind of match between the hitchhikers and Nicholson because you have these hitchhikers that come in and they're spouting their it's all crap with all this stuff. It's crap. I don't even want to talk about. But it. then, but then Nicholson, you know, th- then you stopped at that restaurant scene and that's still considered one of like the top one Nicholson the, scenes yeah. ever, which is you know the chicken salad uh, speech. Yeah, you know, I want to. Hold I knew it about the chicken salad speech before because I had seen this thing about greatest speeches in, in movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, one of them was like, uh, I forget what, but one of them was this the chicken salad thing. It is thing. such a great speech. Yeah, that, and that's a terrible diner, by the way. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean you don't make side orders of toast? You make sandwiches, don't you? Would you like to talk to the manager? Hey, Mac. Shut up. You've got bread and a toaster of some kind. I don't make the rules. Okay, I'll make it as easy for you as I can. I'd like an omelet, plain, and a chicken salad sandwich on wheat toast. No mayonnaise, no butter, no lettuce, and a cup of coffee. Number two, chicken salad sand. Hold the butter, the lettuce, the mayonnaise, and a cup of coffee. Anything else? Yeah, now all you have to do is hold the chicken, bring me the toast, give me a check for the chicken salad sandwich, and you haven't broken any rules. You want me to hold the chicken, huh? I want you to hold it between your knees. You can't make toast. You can't do, <laughs> do any substitutions. I don't know if they... Maybe they could have, and that waitress was just being really nasty. I don't know. Who knows? Well, then she's a terrible um, waitress. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know, was this... Is this maybe the kind of movie that, you know, maybe it's not your kind of movie? It's certainly not my kind of movie. That doesn't okay. mean I didn't enjoy it. Okay. That's it. That's fair. Because I did. I was kind of because even though it doesn't on. have, even though it doesn't have the the sort of structured plot that I like or am used to. Yeah. I still thought it was interesting. I uh, thought it, that it be- I still thought it was interesting finding out who Robert was and why he left his house. Yeah, that's uh, the thing that I that that this movie made a big impression on me when I was like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, around that age, because I really related to this whole idea of like. All right, who are you in this family? Hmm. What are you actually doing with your life? Are you actually <laughs> going to figure yourself out? Are you just going to kind of amble around? And I think that's just like a great character to explore. I think, yeah. that, and, you know, and also especially in the world that he's in, and he feels uncomfortable there, even though he's a part of it. You know, how much is he? Does he still relate to things? Like, there's this moment when he's like at the at the dinner table with his family and. 
you know, that you know, they're all still, you know, they're asking like, so do you still play the piano? And he's like, yeah, I play it here and there. I was at like a Las Vegas musical review. Yeah, he was a rehearsal he, pianist. Yeah, and he gets all animated and he kind of turns off the table. Like they kind of just leave. Yeah. <laughs> It's like there are dimensions to him. I've that... had moments like that in my life <laughs> where you kind of get animated at an inappropriate time. Well, something like that or or I start tell or I start telling a story which isn't necessarily <laughs> yeah, which isn't necessarily proper and then, and then you, you kind of feel like an idiot because yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it felt like the most natural thing in the world. Uh yeah, so uh I definitely see where you're coming from uh with that. Yeah, like you know, there's also on on you know again when he has that moment with his father too that's a really I I love that scene too like mm. you know when he finally breaks down and you know it's with a character who can't talk back to him even though they're like they cut back to the father and you kind of wonder is he is he hearing what he's saying right. he kind of has these facial expressions where he, he doesn't almost, have this blank face he no. seems like he's he seems like maybe he's understanding what he's saying and the fact that you know, you have this father and son who had, like, this bad relationship, and maybe they're kind of coming to a catharsis at the point where it's too late. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I felt like this was a great way also maybe to start off your trek into uh, the 1970s. Yeah, it's well a good, cinema. It's a good start. Yeah, because this is, like, a great example of, like, kind of a quintessential 70s movie. The fact that, you know, before this... You know, so many movies in Hollywood centered on the plot. And right. here's a movie that's maybe taking a little bit more cues from European movies, even though you still have, but you have somebody like Nicholson who is a really charismatic, big Hollywood figure. Right. And this is uh, him the, when he's like young. This is him like when he's at like, the outset of his career. Yeah, at the outset, right before he does. After you know, he uh, did The Terror. <laughs> And uh, little shop. Am I gonna cars. have to watch that for my um, Jack Nicholson retrospective? <laughs> no, I'm. I'm. God, the terror. Uh, have you ever watched that movie? I know. I hear it's a mess. <laughs> that movie has like four different directors. <laughs> uh, good old Roger Corman. I got. A re I got Boris Karloff for two days, and I got this set. I got flood. <laughs> Let's just make the terror. <laughs> my father-in-law loves telling the story of like Roger Corman making the terror. <laughs> it's like I have I have Carlaw for two days and I have this set. I'm gonna make this movie. <laughs> Great story. Yeah, Five Easy Pieces isn't quite like that. It's more like uh, <laughs> yeah. it may not have a substantial plot, <laughs> but it's got a better plot than the terror. Uh, but anyway, I enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you I'm glad you checked it out. Um, I think that. You know, it's not the very best Nicholson movie, but well, you get, well, it's among the. I mean, when you have a career like him, you have like One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Chinatown, The and, Shining, uh, The Shining, and uh, other movies you haven't seen like a Bat Schmidt and uh, even in The Departed, he's great. Batman, yeah, Batman. Um, but this is yeah, this is kind of like the the kickoff, as you said. This is like to use a baseball analogy, this is like an All Stars first season. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah, not bad. Um, so I don't know any final thoughts because you have we have uh, the title. One more minute. What's that? Re what does that refer to? The the piano piece. Do you remember? You know the scene where he's playing the piano and the camera is moving across all oh, those yeah. photos in the room. And then he talks about. Oh, yeah. I just learned five. Oh, oh was I that? Just, was that? 
Yeah, that was the five easy pieces. It was like a number that you know you kind of learn when you're first learning to play the piano. It's like the simple and then Jack has never learned. And then you know it's interesting because it almost you can almost say that it has a bit like the key to the movie. Oh, they're the pieces that it's easy to play, and that's what he's been doing all his life. Yeah, he's just but been then doing after the easy played... stuff and leaving. Yeah, and then he. Said, oh yeah, now that makes sense. All right, there cool. you go. Yeah, it's and then after he's done playing it, he says to uh, oh yeah, that a was woman, easy. yeah, I I used to play that a lot better, <laughs> or something like that. What yeah. a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> I right. yeah I love this movie, and I'm glad that you finally got to check it out. I think that uh, it's a worthy movie to experience. Time. Awesome. All so, right. um, those are our list movies for the day, and uh, we are going to come back with a, a retrospective for a legend, you should say. We'll be right back. Yes. <laughs>